0: Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. My gosh, you boys already know I'm not letting that Ramsey boy come over and play until you clean up your rooms.
1: Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, all you good-looking money people. I'm Joe's mom's super young neighbor, Doug. And today, we have special guests talking to you and me with language we can understand. With the Millennial Money Fix, today we welcome Douglas and Heather Bonaparte. Also, in our headline segment, Joe's Crab Shack has, what? Shut down restaurants? Oh, come on. So much for Thursday's crab legs, but Joe and OG will talk about what lessons we can learn with your money. Also, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky caller, answer your letters, and still have a moment for the best part of the show, My Trivia. And now, because this show nearly runs itself, here's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G.
0: Yeah, baby. Hey, welcome to Wednesday on the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a great show we've got for you today. And you know, maybe the best part of the show is sitting across from me. At this rickety card table. Ah, oh, the
2: best part of the show is sitting across from me too. Oh my God. It's so cute. Do you want a hug?
0: No, but I do want one of those things where I have like half the heart and you've got the other half, you know? Like we, a, yeah, dude, that'd be cool. Can we get some
2: of those? I bet you somebody will send us one.
0: Do you know what somebody should send us? Somebody should send us some real estate, man. That's what people need to send us.
2: Yeah, no kidding. That would be also, I would also accept that in lieu of a broken heart, half-heart thing.
0: That you could buy at Spencer's, Yes. In
2: lieu of that, I would take a deeded property somewhere in America. (laughs) Anywhere, actually. I would take deeded. I don't even have to be particular.
0: Because, OG, if we took a second to think about how we can start earning passive income by investing in rental properties through Roofstock, we'd realize that they're this huge online marketplace for buying and selling tenant-occupied homes, And then we know that whether we're in California or New York, Roofstock makes it efficient and hassle-free to diversify our portfolio and invest from anywhere in high-yield markets like Atlanta or Memphis. They lay all the property reports and financials at our fingertips and even connect us with vetted local property managers for hassle-free ownership. Every property is thoroughly vetted by the Roofstock certification team, so you know... It's in good condition with a reliable tenant in place. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Roofstock, property investing made simple. Here's what you do, because we got to keep the sponsor happy, so go through our link. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock, and they will know that we sent you and they'll stay around for a long time because they're a pretty cool company. OG, we want to. I be love
2: here. this. I love this website. I'm on it right now. It's so fun. You, you. I'm filtering. I just kind of grabbed markets. I'm gonna click, pick on uh, Indianapolis, and uh, boom! Right here's a house for seventy thousand, and uh, it's got all the details on it. I can click through it. It's got the map. I told you know, I
0: told Gary Beasley. Sweet- when he was on a couple of weeks ago on our Stacking Benjamins live video, which if you go to the Stacking Benjamins page, you can go watch, you can go watch uh, Gary and I have a great discussion, but I told him it's like real estate porn, <laughs> like flipping through those like, oh, look at the yield on that one. Ooh, <laughs> it's
2: real <estate> porn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fantastic. And something else is fantastic is the fact that you can, instead of just walking into your bank. You can go to a website first so that you can do your homework and make it quick, right? Why do I want to spend hours and hours finding the right stuff financially when I can go to one website very quickly that handles all the financial tools that I use to comparison shop every day? You know what that site is? It's called Magnify Money. If you head to StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney, you're going to find that whether it's those things like a checking account, which you think isn't hard, but most banks make it hard, A a savings account, linking those two together, certificates of deposit. If you have to get an auto loan, auto loans for your next ride. If you pay your credit cards and you're looking to finally get some rewards on your money. You know, Nick from Magnify Money says that if you're not getting 2% cash back, you're leaving money on the table. StackyBedjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Very quickly, you can see everything comparison shop it know exactly where the right places to go more places uh than any other website out there stackingbedjamins.com forward slash magnify money man we got a great show today douglas and heather bonaparte and whether you're a millennial or not they're going to talk about fixing your money and they're going to go through their issues with money that they started with like everybody else has and uh they're going to tell us some tips to get your house in order when it comes to managing your money. And you know what? It's funny because it says Millennial Money Fix, it ain't just for Millennials. Based on my practice, uh, when I was a financial planner, lots of people dealing with the stuff they're gonna talk about, OG. So, first, we have some headlines though, so let's move.
3: Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking Benjamin's headlines.
0: First headline comes to us from dailymail.com. This came out a couple weeks ago, but I think it's worth talking about now. Popular seafood chain Joe's Crab Shack abruptly closes 41 locations across the U.S. No warning. Parent company's been struggling financially and filed for bankruptcy in 2014. It had 139 locations, and now it's down to 72. Here's the thing about this: ob- so dinner plans are canceled. <laughs> I cannot go into Joe's. <laughs> if if you were going to Joe's Crab Shack and you're where those couple those uh, stores were, might not be going. But here's the thing is that, so Joe's Crab Shack seems to be in this death spiral. The frustrating thing that I saw when I was a financial planner, bringing this to a personal level, is that there's lots of people, OG, who are in the death spiral already. They have no idea because they've never once looked at the budget.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking about this from two different perspectives as you were talking about it. From the uh, individual side, if you're not paying attention to the numbers... And you don't have to nickel and diamond. That's the thing that I just don't understand. People people say, Well, I don't know how much I spend every month on gasoline. I wanna be that rigid. And I and I get that totally. And I'm I, not that way either.
0: I've heard people tell me that it stresses them out if they look at the numbers. And you know what? It it it, it stresses you out when you don't look at the numbers and then you're screwed.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you have to do what works for you. What we do in our house is we just we literally have like the total number that we can spend for the month for the family that's the number we look at and so i don't have to worry about like if the electric bill is a little higher it'll just get offset by the fact that we've got a number our number is this and we look at it every week and are we staying on track or if it's the 28th and we're at our number we're just not doing anything we're gonna have you know an empty refrigerator <laughs>
0: So to More speak. Or to follow. So More to, to f-
2: follow on the empty refer so, so to speak.
0: Maybe. We might talk yes, about maybe. that later. Yeah.
2: But the other side that I look at this too, and you're talking about if you don't pay attention, all of a sudden you you know you're gonna get screwed. I look at this from the business owner standpoint. Obviously, we don't know what the whole Right. We don't have know, all the facts, all the details. But I do like the tearing the band aid off. Now that screws a whole bunch of people, I got all that. But but somewhere along the line, somewhere in the food chain, some executive somewhere for this organization said, enough is enough. We're closing 40 stores. Oh, OK. When should we announce it? We're closing them today. Do you know it- what I mean? Like they just went, we are, We have to do this. So finally, I think and it ties into what you were saying about looking at the numbers. Finally, probably somebody said, listen, we we have to make this decision right now. But you wonder if they would have been paying attention a little bit better, would it be so drastic?
0: I talked a bajillion times before, so I won't do bajillion. it here. Yes, that's a real Seems number. about the right amount. Yes, about uh, my year without income and uh, some of the financial struggles so I delightful. had at the start. I'm not going to talk so delightful, a lot about it? that. But i I did want, at one point, I was renting a house and I wanted to rent a much nicer house. And it was going to cost a lot more money to rent a nicer house. And I was talking to this coach, and she said to me, which was great. She said, So um, you're not where you want to be financially. And I said, Oh, no, 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 not at all. And she said, And what you're telling me is you want to rent a nicer place. And I said, Yeah, well, you know, I've got these two very young kids, and now we're a family of four, and this house isn't very big, and da da da. And she, she said, So what you're saying is you want to pretend things are even better than they are. Like isn't it isn't it more motivational to wake up in the morning and realize the first thing that you look at the house that you're in and it's not big enough it's not where you want to be that you're not where you want to be. Like which one? Or you wake up every day you're in this pretty place that you really can't afford and then all of a sudden you're you're screwed. I love that idea of tearing the band-aid off because that's yeah. that's exactly what she was saying. Don't don't live in a dream house when you can't afford the dream house? Live in the dream house when you yeah, can. Yeah, be
2: miserable so you remember why you're miserable, so that you get out and get it done.
0: It's exactly like what you talked about on Monday with that uh, Italian playboy dude. You know, yeah, just, just living My idol. living. <laughs> Except for the fact he couldn't afford it. Like, well, you, you know, you would love, you would live that, but you want to be able to afford it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Mrs. Og would say about any of that stuff that he's had on Instagram, but. Yeah,
0: she... <laughs> Yeah.
2: I'm going to start with the tattoo part. That's what I'm going to start with.
0: That she's not going down that road? No, no, no.
2: Like, that's what I'm going to, like, to emulate them.
0: Oh, that's what you'll get first. I'm going to get all tattoos.
2: I'm going to get all tatted up.
0: Yeah. On that note, let's move on to something relevant. Our second headline comes to us from Napa-Net. This is the National Association of Plan Advisors. They're the people that manage 401k plans and uh, pension plans, that stuff. Uh, Love their headlines there. Here's one. Have... Soaring stocks spurred participant rebalancing. Say that three times quickly. This piece says the stock market's been on a tear, 29 record closes for the s 500 through July 31st, and five of those in July alone. So what do you think, OG, 401k participants have done because the stock market's been going up and up?
2: I would say that the behavior finance side of me suggests that they are dumping money into the thing that's going up the most.
0: Here's what's interesting. 401k participants are doing nothing on an increasing basis. According to Alight Solutions, previously Aon Hewitt, 401k index, July turned out to be the lightest trading month for defined contribution plan investors in over five years. Meaning, this hmm. isn't contribution rates, this is moving your money inside once it's there. So mm-hmm. so the stock market on a tear, people are leaving it where it is, and this was the lightest trading month in five years
2: it's like it's like playing craps right where you start with five bucks and now you're at 6200 and they're like just let it ride baby let it ride
0: right june had been the lightest month before that probably not the greatest (laughs) no maybe not which is similar that's why i was moving on you see i was trying to segue out up until then it had been the lightest trading month the money movement that did happen and i found this to be pretty cool The money that came out, 52% of the money that moved out in July came out of what type of fund? Fixed income. Individual company stock. 52% of the money that came out, $111 million came out of individual company stock. That's pretty damn cool. I thought that was great. Yeah,
2: I didn't think of, I didn't think about company
0: stock. Okay, yes. Yeah. Second was stable value. Exactly what you're saying. So the fixed income fund that's 25 million, and then the third, kind of worrisome, 24 million coming out of small U.S. equity funds, 11 uh, percent. That, that's,
2: that's because that's underperforming. For right.
0: The year. That's that's the stupidity in action right there. That move. Is the stupidity in action? Somebody looking at the short term going, oh, this can ain't. You,
2: can you, is on this thing, does it tell you uh, where the money went? Oh,
0: absolutely. Thank you. Nice segue. That's good.
2: Oh, I didn't know, but it's it sounds good. Not- international and emerging
0: market. International, number one, 46% of money went to international. Why is that, OG? Why would money go to international first?
2: Because it's up 25% for the year.
0: <laughs> and then emerging market number two at 15%. Why would that go it's up? It's also uh, up
2: 25%, and it's also a little bit less likely to be found in your 401k because it's a little more esoteric.
0: And then third, target date funds.
2: Well, yeah, obviously.
0: Yeah, we uh, we can't all be perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
2: International. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> so, so I took the money out of my company stock. Sounds great. I took the money on stable value. I, I, I sounds sold great.
2: High, I I've sold high and bought higher. I don't know.
0: Is that right? Uh, what's it, What what is that phrase about the fool and his money easily parted? Yeah. Yeah. So the lessons from today's headlines, folks. I'm dollar
2: cost averaging.
0: <laughs> but I'm doing it all at once. <laughs> is it? is it no
2: <laughs> I, uh, J- july is a rebalance month for me normally it just so happens that i'm a rebalance into the thing that went up the most in the last 12 right.
0: months which is exactly how rebalancing works so your first takeaway here number one m- maybe rebalance a little more carefully and number two is you're not keeping track of the numbers don't be like joe's crab shack
2: yeah you're gonna shut everything down all at
0: once let's not shut it down all at once if you have to shut it down all at once do it but, man, look at the numbers first, and hopefully you won't have to. So, have you been fixed, OG?
2: You've used that joke multiple times in the last three, four I'm, months.
0: I'm talking about your money. Has your uh, money been fixed? I, I,
2: I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, well, the book is The Millennial Money Fix, in Douglas and Heather Bonaparte, man they have some fun stuff they are two people that are like everybody else except they're open and willing to talk about the fact that life can be a train wreck and you know what it's up to you to fix it and i'm so excited that they are coming down to the basement to talk about their journey and also about helping you fix your money douglas bonaparte founded Bonafide wealth llc a boutique wealth management firm in new york city that specializes in helping millennials achieve their goals. Heather Bonaparte, she is Douglas's marketing manager, counsel, and spouse. 2010, she graduated law school with honors and six figures of student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's yeah. delicious. Sure, we're going to talk about that too. Douglas and Heather Bonaparte coming down to the basement. And Douglas and Heather Bonaparte join us. Welcome, guys. Have a seat. How are you?
3: We're great. How are you doing?
0: I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm better now that you're here because you're going to fix all the millennial money problems for us, right? That's it. That's all the problems. Every every single one of them. <laughs> well, let's start off. With, let's start off with you, Douglas, because you go through early in the book some early mistakes that you made with money when you were a Florida Gator. Tell me some of those stories.
4: No, oh, well, it certainly wasn't going to Florida and winning all those championships. Little braggery there, but I certainly made some some money mistakes, and the largest one was I probably didn't need to take out student loans to fund my undergraduate education. We were lucky in the state of Florida. If you did well, you got the Florida lottery system to give you a bright future scholarship, and and my friends and I were were rather smart and took advantage of that, but yet somehow. Some way I managed to graduate with some debt and perhaps it was maybe living, you know, a little too lavishly, fixing the car, tricking it out. A few things that looking back at it, you know, I probably should not have made those decisions. And I probably could have walked away from that experience with less debt.
0: Yeah, I couldn't figure out how just reading about like your family background in the book and, and the way that you went to school, like how the heck you ended up with debt at all.
4: Right. Well, one of the things I think contributing to that was I needed a car. That's certainly not something that was covered in a scholarship. And it truly was to get from point A to point B. And I didn't go out and get a BMW. I got a Subaru, my favorite WRX, how I still dream of it. But uh, I love cars. And, and, you know, I kind of just didn't stop there. I I figured, hey, let's do some stuff to it. And I started to experiment in that area and maybe maybe got away from myself and, and had some fun during those years as well. And, you know, five grand here, 10 grand here, before you know it, you know, you got student loan debt, you got to deal with.
0: Heather, were you better? It a wh- great
3: car. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Heather what? was in it a whole
5: bunch,
1: that's for
3: sure. Well, I was going to ask you about that th- car coming from way down the street. Everybody knew that Doug was on his way. The engine the exhaust or whatever it was, I don't, I don't know. It, you could hear it from down the street. <laughs>
0: oh, so you, so you were very proud of your boyfriend.
3: Oh, so proud. All about that car. <laughs> Tell us about your money
0: background, though, Heather. Were you better with money?
3: Arguably not, because I'm the first one of the two of us that managed to uh, amass six figures of student loan debt, and that was when I went to law school. Interestingly enough, I graduated undergraduate with no student loan debt, which was a feat, and it was wonderful and something that I'm very thankful for. But in making a decision as to where I was going to attend law school, I made the decision to attend the most expensive law school that I was admitted to. At the time, it was right at the beginning, one would say pre-recession, when I was looking into going to law school. I sat down with the financial services office of that law school that I was considering. I heard what the cost would be. I believed in my mind that I was making a calculated risk in attending that law school, thinking that you know, by attending the shiniest and prettiest law school I possibly could in the fanciest city in the world, that I would be afforded more opportunities for that and that it was a calculated risk. You know, and some people would say that it was, but I think that that decision was a very, very risky proposition and one that I paid for and continue to pay for to this day. But, and I think
0: the point of this, because you guys lead with a lot of this at the beginning of the book, is that, listen, nobody's really a money expert, Doug. I mean, everybody has skeletons in their closet, including people like you guys who are, you know, considered to be very good with money.
4: Yeah, that's right. I think what we're really talking about here is how that lack of financial education that's really not present, you know, in, in growing up, you know, our parents teaching it to us, probably not in our schools. No way. You know, we point to the statistics and kind of the paucity of schools and curriculum that actually exist out there. And certainly the government's not really, you know, mandating lessons. That's that's silliness. So we're, we're coming up into this world and, and being put in a position to make a rather large expense, you know, college education. That's one big aspect of the book and how the, the costs have gotten out of control. So here we are, 17, 18, needing to educate ourselves and there's student loan debt available to fund it. That's one great way to make a very big mistake, mainly because we don't know what we're doing with money.
3: Well, and one reason why I'm such, uh, I wouldn't say a good example, but one reason why I am a quintessential example of this millennial problem is that you don't have to be irresponsible to make a decision that's going to cost you a lot of money. I consider myself not only very responsible with money, but I'm an overly cautious person who's worked incredibly hard, always held two to three jobs and internships at any given time. And when I made the decision to attend that expensive school, I was looking at job statistics saying I'm going to make X, Y, Z after school. And this is an investment in my future and these opportunities and everything that's being sold to me seems to make sense. I mean, in my mind, it was a calculated decision, but the one thing that I was really lacking was the financial education behind it to really understand what those loans would look like after three years, what they'd look like after five or six years or how much money I would really have to make to live the life that I wanted to live and pay them back.
0: Is that why you say in the book that the place to start with really is your goal so you can then start working out that money situation better?
4: Yes.
3: So we think that in order to even
4: know where you're going, you, you need to be able to set these goals. You're kind of lost. Like I, I kind of describe it as you got a dart in your hand and you're about to throw it out a wall without a dartboard. You know, you're going to you're going to hit something. You're going to hit the wall, but you're not necessarily going to hit your target. So by setting these goals, you know what it is that, you know, you're thinking with the end in mind. Rather, you know what it is that you want to achieve so you can go after it.
0: And Doug, once you have those goals, what I like is you don't just have them on a sheet of paper and stick them on a wall. Now you start to do something with them to make them more concrete.
4: Yeah, so you have to measure them, right? So we're talking about quantifying your goals. And I want you to do that two ways, by time and by value. And what I mean by that is you want to know when it is you want to achieve that goal, right? And how much that goal is going to cost. So let me give you an example of that. Let's say you want to buy a house. And you know what kind of house that is. But you want to buy that house in four years from now because you want to start a family. So you look around, and now you want to find out, well, how much does that house cost? All right, it's in this city. And that house costs, let's say, $300,000. You need a 20% down payment. OK, you're going to come up with $60,000. So there we go. We want a house in four years, and we need $60,000 just to make that down payment. Little uh, little math will show us, you know, if we divide 60000 By what I say, four years, that's 48. I'm literally taking out my uh, calculator here to give you an answer. (laughs) And we're coming up with $1,250 a month that you'll need to save for the next four years. Maybe that's achievable. Maybe it's not, but you've now quantified that goal and you can assess whether or not you need more time or maybe think about buying a cheaper house.
0: But now what's cool is now you've got the number on all these goals and then you can do your final step, which is?
4: That's right. You got to prioritize them. So obviously, we have multiple financial goals in our life. I haven't really met too many people who have just one goal, but they do exist. So when you have multiple financial goals, you got to be honest with yourself and understand what's most important to you. And, and Heather and I are pretty serious about this one. You know, we would have loved to accelerated student loan debt payments, perhaps max out our 401ks and retirement plans, respectively. But when we knew our daughter was on her way, Our number one goal then, our biggest priority, was saving for that house, like in that previous example. That, for us, was number one. And I encourage people to kind of put their blinders on here. This is subjective. You know, you you can't really, yeah, get into that.
3: Well, the one point I wanted to add to that was, I think it's really interesting. I mean, especially as a non-financial professional looking in and watching people say that they have tackled six figures of student loan debt in 2 years and so can you and that that's the ultimate goal that that's what makes them you know qualified to be providing you with advice on these issues because they tackled it the fastest i mean we could all move you know I, I i could move back home not spend a cent cook dinner every night and i we probably could have paid back more of the loan than we necessarily did but Doug and i are living our life we're accomplishing the goals that we want to be accomplishing we put a roof over our daughter's head and we had a daughter in the first place. I mean, we wanted to have children. <laughs> we we moved that goal up the list. And with that goal moving up, paying the student loans moved a little further down for now. But at yeah. some point in time, that will be the priority again. I mean I think that this whole exercise of prioritizing is really just about being flexible and being fluid and being willing to sustain the change. And if you have the knowledge to do it, it's not as difficult as as if you didn't.
0: Heather, I thought you were going to say that uh, you could work out of your mom's basement, and uh, I thought that was going to get really personal here. But I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I could, wouldn't <laughs> that be
4: awesome? We're in one basement talking about
0: money. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Let's move up the ladder a little bit because I'd love to talk about people's first job because I know that when it comes to employment, this isn't just for millennials. I think everybody's making a lot of mistakes you start talking about when you get a new job looking at cash flow who wants to take that cuz i think this whole idea that you have about working around your cash flow is so important to people and most people don't get it
4: yeah i'm i'm going to field this one here and and as always have heather come in and kind of clean up whatever you know i ramble on about but So budgeting and cash flow, right? Two sides of the coin. You got your budget, which is what you hope to spend, you know, given what it is you make and then cash flow, what you actually did, right? And you reconcile these two things to see how you're doing. But uh, no matter how you cut it, this is the one area of personal finance that's just insanely foundational and fundamental to being successful. A lot of the work is done right here. So when you get that first job, the first thing you want to do is figure out how are you going to live? within what it is that you're being paid, assuming you can. And and to take it a step further, if you can, what are you going to do then, right, to figure out what you can save each month? Because if you did the goal exercise, identify, prioritize, quantify, you know exactly what it is you need to fund those goals. So you pair these two things together, the goal system and mastering cash flow, and you got yourself the pretty much vast majority of what we're trying to get across to pretty much anybody who wants to make smart decisions with their money. So when you get that first job, this is where you start. And we even talk in the book, even when you're in college is really where you start. The uh, the equation is just a little bit different. And you can see those two things in the book.
0: Let's talk about uh, insurances because people get benefits at work. What are the most important insurances for millennials to focus on?
4: I'm curious, Heather, what? Out of all the insurances you that we can't have, ask,
3: You, you can't ask you can't ask me that. You know you can't ask me Oh,
4: why oh that? yeah? Why? You, you you work in the industry or
3: something? I, I may happen to work in the industry.
4: <laughs> all right, so you're you're just gonna get more Doug here. Uh, right. so when it comes to insurance, we're talking about protecting the things that are most important to us. And usually at the top of that list is health insurance. This is something we get from our employers if if they're offering it. And we're what we call a statutory employee. It gets a little more difficult when you work for yourself or you have your own business. You typically need to go out and purchase insurance. And it's it's a risky proposition not to have it. But there's other types of insurances as well. and, And mainly talking about life insurance and disability insurance. And and I'm not gonna go say everyone needs to have this stuff in place. There's a right time and place to have these types of insurances. Obviously, as your life evolves, you become you know uh, compatible with a significant other and take on more risk in your life. This is where it might be a good time to consider protecting yourself from that risk. Life insurance, if God forbid you die prematurely and there's other people relying on you, they're gonna need some kind of benefit. Or you become injured and can't produce income. For a lot of young professionals, the most important asset that you have is your ability to make money. So protecting these things is super critical to having financial peace of mind, but also making sure that uh, you're taking as much risk out of your life, mitigating that risk.
0: It sounds like you're doing the same thing you do with your goals, Doug. I mean, really, what you're doing is you're looking at what the goal is first, what that costs, and then if something bad happens, how do I cover that?
4: It's all connected, you know, as, as a certified financial planner, we know that when we go through various topics and there's there's really six main areas, insurance being one of them, it's all woven together. We don't really look at anything, you know, in, in, in just one category. I, I think that like investments, for example, that's, that's just not the way it's done. We got to look at things holistically. So we really understand what that picture is. We want to deliver that again to readers and, and people out there so they understand just how dynamic their financial life can be.
3: And it's all dependent on the person. Right. On the individual.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, well, it's funny because there's a science and an art here.
4: Absolutely. The science part can be read in the, you know, the textbooks. You can go on Investopedia. We encourage the readers to go Google it up, get these resources. It's all right out there. But the... Art form is really, you know, what we do as professionals to figure out how to tie all of these things together with your own unique attitudes and opinions and the way you want to live your life. I always say I don't, I don't tell my clients how to spend their money. I, I don't. I help them try and understand how to make the best decisions.
3: And I, I think something that is interesting is that people tend to generalize about millennials. Say millennials are this. Millennials are that. In reality. Everything specific to the individual. This advice is very subjective to each person. And we're just trying to maybe dispel some of those generalizations and offer actionable advice that people can really apply to their own set of circumstances. There's not a one-size-fits-all response to anything. All you really need is the individual tools to apply it to your own situation.
0: Yeah, the goal, what it costs. I mean, the time and value thing we talked about. I mean, that that and your priorities. That's going to lead everybody in a different direction. I want to stick with you for a second, Heather, because with six figures of uh, student loan debt, you're clearly the debt expert in the family. <laughs> what?
3: Or I guess I guess you could call me a debt expert, maybe.
0: A- <laughs> but let's talk about evaluating. You know, millennials or anybody evaluating taking on debt. How do you make that evaluation?
3: I think that you have to have a clear picture. And if I could do it again, I mean hindsight's 2020, 20, right? But if I could do it again, I would first evaluate and this, again this goes back to your goals. How much you really want what you're taking out the debt for. Do you have a clear picture as to or or, or a clear end goal in mind, especially in terms of careers when we're talking about student loan debt? I think one of my biggest mistakes, people would say, well, she made a huge mistake in going to law school. If she didn't really understand, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest, I didn't really understand what the practice of law entailed. I never spoke to an attorney that worked at a private law firm. I never interned anywhere before I went to law school that would even give me a picture as to what it looked like. I had an idea in my mind, generalization, and I went with it. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that a young person can make is taking out a lot of money, making an investment in something when you don't really have that specific end goal in mind. The piece of paper itself is not the goal. You can't just say uh, that this is a worthwhile investment because you could always use X degree. That's always the line. Oh, you could always use a law degree. You could always use a business degree. I'm sure Doug would say the same thing for his MBA. I mean, if you're just going to kill two years of your life and say, "Well, well, I'll be worth more on the other end. I mean, that's not really something that makes sense in light of the rising cost of education and how much it really costs to get those degrees today. So it's not that all debt is bad. I mean, there's, there is student loan debt that's worth taking out, but you really have to have a better idea. I mean, if I could do it again, if I were to say, you know what, I still do want to go to law school. I don't really know what's going to result or where I'll be 10 years from now, but I do really want to go to law school. I would have chosen a less expensive option because then the risk and the consequence on the back end of it is not quite as great.
4: I think it's important to add that, and obviously Doug, the financial guy here, you know, we're talking about return on investment, you know, in this specific example that Heather's talking about, talking about making an investment in her education. And unfortunately, when it comes to this particular investment, there's no, you know, quick and dirty formula that you can plug these numbers into and, and arrive at that answer. But through financial education and literacy, which we've been preaching here, you know, perhaps she would have thought about, okay, if I take out this debt, I'm going to have to make this payment every month. That means I have to have a job that pays this. And I need to live in a place that, you know, costs that. And then you start to kind of unravel how to actually get that return on the investment. And that's that's the framework we, we really want people to start applying, especially when it comes to higher education.
3: And also we should mention that the return on investment is getting harder and harder to get. And we, I think we do touch on that because... The more the costs go up, you're not necessarily, you know, obtaining right. a greater return. The costs are just going up,
0: so yeah. it's getting harder to find. You talked early in the book, guys, about uh, establishing credit too, and I really like this, Doug. I think it was you that you applied for a card in college and paid it off every month. You want to tell that story?
4: Yeah, it's wow, timely. I, I literally just told this story to a uh, reporter today who is doing a story on credit cards, so I'm I'm really warmed up for it, but. <laughs> That's how exciting my life is. Um, But but the story goes like this. You know, when I went to college, I applied for a Blue for Students American Express card, and it was a $600 credit limit. You know, how how much damage or how angry could I make my parents if I maxed that thing out? I'm sure I sure I would have had a ton of fun doing it, but I never did that. Instead, what I did is, you know, I would, I would put my regular expenses on that food, just, just basic college expenses throughout, you know, my days. And I would pay the bill in full every month. And at the end of each year, I would call American express and I would say, Hey, you know, can I increase my credit limit? You know, I'm not sure if my, my parents knew about it or would be thrilled about that, but I knew I was disciplined enough. And I think that's, A key component here is that you possess the discipline to wield this credit tool. But by the time I graduated, I had about $21,000 in a credit line. You know, no credit card debt, of course. I had built some solid credit history. And because I did that... I set the tone for how it is I would be able to utilize credit throughout the rest of our lives. And, you know, Heather did a great job herself as well. And that's why even with the student loan debt that we had, we were able to, you know, get the best rate on our mortgage, be able to, you know, lease cars that we need to transport ourselves and really get the best deal on some essential things in our life and even refinance our student loan debt. You know, so these These are the lessons that you can do early on and really create some some good things for your financial life in the years to come, really, for your entire lifetime.
0: I found that was exciting, being able to build that muscle early and uh, all the impact it had. That You probably didn't even think of the uh, half of those impacts when you first started out and look at what it did. No,
4: no. I, yeah, I just wanted the free Frisbee and towel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't open lines of credit because of discounts and Frisbees and stuff like that. I was joking with the reporter. What if they put like the disclosure of what you were doing on the back of that free shirt or on the Frisbee? Right. you would actually read it.
0: Oh, that'd be horrible. Yeah, th- then there'd be nobody in that line. I remember when I first became a financial planner and I'm walking through a mall and there's a line for people trying to get a Discover card so they could get a NASCAR blanket. And yet I couldn't get anybody to talk to me to make their financial future better. I'm like, oh, I'm begging people to talk to me and these guys give away a NASCAR towel. Maybe if they got a financial plan and a NASCAR towel, maybe that's the key that I was missing.
4: Maybe if you gave them a NASCAR.
0: Maybe that's it. Yeah, The book is The Millennial Money Fix, What You Need to Know About Budgeting, Debt, and Finding Financial Freedom. Guys, the book's available where?
4: everywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore. And don't forget the themillennialmoneyfix.com. We even made a website for you.
0: Awesome. And we'll link to it if people are out walking the dog or on the morning run or driving to work on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Doug and Heather, thanks for hanging out with us.
3: Thanks Thank so you much. so much.
1: Hello, loyal trivia fans. You already know this, but I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and wasn't that great advice for all us millennials? As probably one of the premier millennials. I felt like Douglas, what a great name, by the way, and Heather were talking right to me. Like, literally. Hey, there's a good question. What are the birth years for people in our generation? You know, the millennials. I'll be back with the answer and probably another round of drinks for all us young, sexy people. Am I right? Am I right? Totally. I right,
0: raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clements from Magnify Money with a few tips on saving money If you find yourself financing a car. If
2: you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying a used car. And in those cases, I, I think it's very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. Uh, Chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal.
0: Thanks, Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks, and guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best-in-class stuff. StackUpBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Average person saves four hundred and fifty dollars in interest when they go there. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Here's a question. What's keeping you away from investing in real estate? Well, over my career, I repeatedly hear that time, you know, the time it takes to find renters, property managers, and to fix problems and stress. What if you don't find a good property manager? What if you don't find a renter? Those are two of the biggest factors keeping people away from investing in real estate. We talked to Gary Beasley, CEO of Roofstock, about how the team at Roofstock are helping you take back a good night's sleep.
4: We go to each market and we find managers who have the most experience, the right technology for accounting and reporting, have good customer service ratings, and we certify the best two or three and work with them on our marketplace.
0: How's that for an advantage? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. You own the house. But Roofstock handles as much or as little of the headache inducing issues that you've come to expect with renting but that doesn't have to happen if you partner with the right team best of all Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee check them out at stackybedjamins.com forward slash that's stackybedjamins.com forward slash
1: Welcome back, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just realized millennials like me are some handsome people. I mean, I know what you're thinking. Doug, if I looked as good as you, I'd probably have trouble stepping away from the mirror. Yeah, it's a struggle I deal with every day, and to that, I say, I feel your pain. I get it, but let's get on with the trivia. Here was the question. What are the birth years for people in the millennial generation? This one's easy. Let me just go the Googler machine. Okay, this it's so easy. It's, it's definitely 1960, mother It says here that while there are no precise years, millennials were born between the early 1980s and early 2000s, 1980s? Those aren't millennials, those are kids. Who wrote this Time for me to write a protest letter to Wikipedia.
0: See ya. Thanks again to Douglas and Heather for coming down to the basement. By the, by the way, how many people have you met in their 40s and 50s that need the type of stuff that Douglas and Heather are talking about? You know, they're ostensibly talking to people in their 20s, but it doesn't matter what age you are. Fix yeah. it now, man.
2: Fix it now. It's the Joe Crab story. Fix Joe Crab your stuff.
0: Go Joe Crab it. That's going to be our message from now on. People are going to go, what the hell are they talking TM. about it?
2: TM. Trademark. <laughs>
0: It's all ours. Hey, let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline to somebody OG and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency—they are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most: your family and your time. They were the first life insurance startup that's also wholly owned by the industry giant Mass Mutual to create a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy that you can purchase entirely, entirely online. And qualified healthy applicants. They skipped the medical exam. I didn't say they skipped to the medical exam. They skipped the medical exam altogether, which can be a huge pain in the butt. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash haven life now to get a free quote and to learn about life insurance the modern way. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash haven life to get your free quote and uh, to see the amazing the prices at haven life too, OG. Pretty remarkable
2: very competitive yeah good stuff
0: let's say hello to our new friend colton or this might be the same colton we've talked to before i don't know but i see colton needs the lifeline so hello colton
2: hey joe and og i just found out my wife was pregnant and was debating on putting a lump sum amount of money into a 529 plan to help them out in college when it comes
4: around is this the best route to go to help them out with college or what are some other options thanks for all you do
2: The, the excitement in your voice can hardly be contained. Colton. <laughs> oh. Hey, guys. So, my wife's pregnant. Um, I just found out. I guess the right thing to do is just set money aside, I guess, for this thing.
0: You're so bad. Congratulations, Colton. That's awesome news.
2: Pretty sure it's mine. <laughs>
0: I, I just found out. <laughs> she made me aware.
2: <laughs> My wife has alerted me to the fact <laughs> that.
0: Oh, that's bad, yeah. Colton. Sorry for that. Let's yeah. uh, let's talk we're, about we're that. We're having
2: fun. We're having fun.
0: Yeah, five twenty nine plan the best way to go. Obviously, go back to Monday's show when we talked to Jim DeLulio because I think for most people the five twenty nine plan is the perfect place to go.
2: I like it. I don't know that I would bother with it right now. Until the kid's born. And here's the reason why. You go, well, I could get a whole year of extra growth in there. I understand. Just set the money aside that you're going to put in on the day that they're born. The problem is, is that if you, if you start it now, you put it in your name and that's fine. And then you have to change it to your kid's name. And it's just an extra hassle, right? It's like one other step. So if you've got money set aside that you'd like to contribute to college, just put it in, you know, put it in a brokerage account or mutual fund or something. And then when the kid's born, then just take that whole lump sum and put it in the uh, the 529. I just like the fewest issues.
0: A lot of times people talk about a Roth IRA because the Roth IRA has a loophole, right, where you're allowed to take the money out for college. What do you think about Roth IRA versus 529?
2: Yeah. I don't like having my college money mixed in with my retirement money, you know.
0: I am totally with you. I think that the Roth IRA is such a great weapon in retirement. Like spending it on college is I don't
2: want to be like 50 and then like be taking it out for my kids. You know, that's like we talked about repeatedly the like the last double, right? Like right as a right as I'm about to like hit the hit my stride and get that baby to like go from you know, 500,000 to 2 million, like over the span of 15 years. Now I'm going to take a third of it out for a college. No.
0: But just being able to play the tax bracket games against your 401k, you know, if your 401k is all pre tax money and being able to use that Roth IRA to live on more, but, you know, be taxed at a lower tax bracket, I think that's way better. I mean, I don't know. I see people all the time, and even when we have these discussions in the in our closed Facebook group, talk about, well, you should use a Roth IRA because it's more flexible. I'm like, flexibility isn't always the best thing. It's not always.
2: Plus, with a 529 in some states, you get a tax deduction. So, you know, if you're in a state that has a state income tax, you, you might benefit from, you know, a few extra bucks on tax savings, and it's tax-free, so...
0: Yeah, Colton. If you haven't done it, go back and listen to Monday's episode with Jim DeluLio because he goes through all that stuff. It's fantastic. But I think that's that's good. And congratulations. Yes, very, very. And we're sorry that we 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 poked fun
2: at. Yeah, uh, no, nah, I'm not sorry that I poked because <laughs> it. Was, I thought it was funny.
0: We really aren't, <laughs> and but. we're we're just entertaining us too. So that's that's that. It's all that matters. If you've got a call for the Haven Lifeline, it's stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. The cool thing that Colton's getting. He's getting the Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt that is co-branded Haven Life and Stacking Benjamins. And it shows what a circus this show really is, OG. So we're sending Mm -hmm. that out to Colton for being on the Haven Lifeline. Doug also brings down the mail and we get letters to this year's show. And today's letter comes to us from Jack. And actually, not just from Jack OG. In our Facebook group, we had a bunch of people say "I probably," I'm going to say Jack here. But to everybody that wrote about this, fantastic. You and I, we missed a little piece of uh, putting money in a pre-tax 401k with the match. Jack said, I always enjoy your podcast. And Amanda's question a few weeks ago regarding 401k contributions hit me with what I've questioned in the past. I wanted to add to your response to be careful with front-loading your 401k. This could limit your contributions from the match. Some companies only match per paycheck. If so, max out too early. The company match will end before maxing out. Keep up the great edutainment. Nice ju- mm-hmm. nice catch, Jack. Yep. And we did not mention that on the show. We gave Amanda some advice, but we did not say that you really do. You gotta, You got to ask at your company how they're going to match your contributions to your retirement plan. Right. Big thanks to Jack again. And if you've got a question for us... Head to StackingBenjamins.com. You see across the top of our website, questions for the show. Click that link. And guess what? You'll have the Haven Lifeline. And if you want to send us a letter, you can do that too, right below the Haven Lifeline. Either way is fine with us. But the Haven Lifeline's always a shorter queue. And now you get the probably our best. We got great shirts. Brad over at Flying Pork is phenomenal with his t-shirt designs, OG. But I think that the circus one is probably the best one we have. Stacking so Benjamins, far, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash shirts to get yours there. Thanks to everybody also who's left us a review of this year podcast. Uh, you know what? That tells people what they're getting into when they listen to the Stacking Benjamins show, and we're very excited when somebody does that because we want people to know that maybe they're getting a kindler, gentler, gentler show. <laughs> some of the financial shows out there and it's also a little different than a lot of financial shows that are out there and uh this one's going on mom's fridge og this review comes from 691 seeker says best modern finance podcast yet Says what i really love about the show is how they explain basic finance principles and tying it to modern technology the show's funny light and filled with great resources i absolutely recommend the show to all millennials looking to decrease debt and increase savings and investments And I would say a huge thank you for that review. That's awesome. We're putting that on Mom's Fridge. But also, OG, we're not just for millennials. This is a pretty wide audience. We take all comers. We we totally totally do. All right. And uh, finally, if you're somebody that needs great financial planning help in your corner, guess what? OG is taking clients. And to find out what it would take to put him in your corner working for your financial goals, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash the letter O and the letter G, and that'll do it. You'll get on his schedule, and uh, you'll go from there. Go stack some Benjamins. Bye-bye.
5: So,
1: what did we learn today? Well, first, whether you're a millennial or not, everyone has messed up their money before, so don't look back. Start planning a better future now. You won't regret that you did. Second, thinking about rebalancing your investments? while any time is a good time to do that. Don't move your money into the investments that have performed best so far this year. That's never a great strategy. But the biggest lesson? I'm telling you, age is just a number. Just like Joe's mom always says. So who cares what the years are they say you had to be born in to be called a millennial? I am in. Hopefully now I can whine about working hard and talk about YOLO nonstop, right? I gotta go put some beeswax in my beard and put a man bun on my head or something. Special thanks to Douglas and Heather Bonaparte for joining us. You'll find the Millennial Money Fix wherever books are sold, or just head to our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com to buy it. You'll help the show and help yourself get your money on the right track. This show was created by Joe Salcihi, produced by Richie Rutter Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selman's handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com/forward/slash/classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at, at @sbenjaminscast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes. Not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. The part of Joe's mom's neighbor Doug
3: has been nominated for an Oscar.
0: Welcome to the After Show. It's part of the show that doesn't exist. For those of you new to the After Show, realize we don't talk about the After Show. What happens here stays here. And you shouldn't have to talk about it. I mean, people all the time, they talk about it. and I don't, Some people, OG, have no self-control, so they talk about it. But you know what? You shouldn't. But if you do, just call it dessert. If you want to talk about dessert, that's okay. We will tell you we have no idea what you're talking about when you talk about dessert. But that's that's fine. So, uh, anyway, that's it. But you, sir, you and I, just before we started recording, you were making brownies
2: and I sorry, thought, I'm thinking about brownies.
0: <laughs> I thought to myself, I'm like, you're making oh that kind of brownies. You're having, you like, would think that way. You're having brownies. Hillbilly. I get it. What hillbillies are the ones that like that kind of brownies. Is that what you're saying? I'm
2: sure. I don't, I, <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't know anything about what you're talking got
0: about. No idea. The type of brownies. Yeah, you and well, Mrs. You know. You and Miss. I know OG. you know. I don't know. I know you know that I know. I don't I don't know even what we're talking about. But why are you making brownies?
2: Because there's no freaking food in my house. More specifically, there's nothing in the refrigerator. And I can't understand why it's so hard to put food in the refrigerator. But that's like me. Like if a- I want a frozen black banana, like I have one of those <laughs> because, because when bananas go bad, what do you do? You put them in the freezer so that they
0: banana something or other later.
2: We'll turn it into something some time down the line.
0: Banana stew. (laughs) Pretty (laughs) much right,
2: exactly. No, what happens is that it you know gets thrown out just at a later time as opposed to throwing it out right now. So I could eat that. I could eat a frozen banana that's well ripened.
0: You gotta have some like grapes or something. You gotta have something. I'm sure you got something.
2: I have a. Uh, there's a stick of butter. That's good. Um,
0: Just imagine peeling I off have, some of I the I have
2: butter. a. I have a, a jug of um, make your own daiquiri mix.
0: It's so like f- that's
2: half used, <laughs> so I can pour some rum in that and some ice and get some caloric content. That's lunch. For the afternoon.
0: That's lunch need, at the OG I'm gonna, house.
2: I'm gonna need a handful of them.
0: You pour some of that for all the kids.
2: <laughs> all the neighbor kids. <laughs> no. It's we love so, going over to his house. It's so much so fun. It is, it's so relaxing. It
5: was fantastic. Yeah.
2: Uh yeah, so uh so I was foraging in the cupboard, you know. and We've got like a it's like a big bag of flour. I I, I tried to eat some of that by the spoonful. It didn't taste very good. Um, <laughs> some cornstarch. Some olive oil. Uh, but I did have an egg, so I uh scrounged together a uh I, I saw a box hit, hidden in the corner of uh Ghirardelli brownie mix, so that that a little bit of olive oil or just whatever. to get something
0: that's easier than going to the grocery store. The funny thing is, as we're saying this, I just got back from going to eat at a restaurant. The whole reason we ate at a restaurant is because there's nothing in the house. So yeah. I totally know what you're talking about. Like, uh, I really mm, there's nothing here. So what am I going to do?
2: Oh. I would love to have a half a pickle with a side of mustard. Uh, we have we have seven thousand. You know, like the whole door of the refrigerator is full of condiments. You could dress up your frozen banana however the hell you want. <laughs> that I can take advantage. That that I got. I can do that. Yeah. Um, is
0: that a euphemism? Dressing yes. up your frozen banana. If you so know, I, know what I mean. So,
2: well, they tell Mrs. Og. <laughs> I'm like, listen. You can dress up this frozen banana any way you want, sweetheart.
0: Anyway, any anyway. <laughs> That makes it go down better. You
2: can better. put ketchup on it, uh, mustard, <laughs> tickles. doesn't matter to me.
0: Let's go back. I don't want to lose the thing about refrigerators. Have you ever heard uh, comedian Brian Regan talk refrigerators? I have not, no. Well, guess what? You're in luck.
5: We needed a refrigerator for our new place, and I, I've never bought a refrigerator in my whole life. I, I went into the appliance store. There's like a 900 of them lined up. There's a salesman there. What's this guy supposed to say about refrigerators? Well, you have this refrigerator right here. This keeps all your food cold for 600. You've got this refrigerator. this keeps all your food cold for 800. Check this out. 1400 keeps all your food cold. So this guy's working me on this one. I've never seen a guy work so hard. This one is a very nice refrigerator. It has a meats drawer. And um, what you do with that, you would would put meats. Whatever varieties that, that you would choose, these would be your meats. So there's no requirement on the types of meat you could pick. Bacon. You could just hear
0: his uh, his gestures, can't you? You could pick uh, bacon. And by the way, he ends up saying that the salesman highly recommends the one for fourteen hundred.
2: Well, of course he does because that one comes with the you know crisper drawer and the meat drawer, he and go- that's a.
0: He goes into the fact that on that one, you have the separate spot for your eggs and (laughs) for your milk, of course. And, you know, and the salesman's struggling. Like, it's so great. You can hear all the emotions. But anyway, uh, you want to go watch Brian Regan? I'm going to have to watch that one. It's so good.
2: Brian Regan.
0: Got it. All right. Well, you've got brownies, man. So we got to get some brownies. Let's go. Eat me some brownies. Yeah. Amen. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is.